The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. I cannot tell you this whole story this morning. One is for a very practical reason. This is a really long chapter of the Bible. If you look at Genesis chapter 19, that's where we've gotten to today. It is one of the longest chapters in Genesis 12 through 25, which is what we're covering little by little by little over these months. And so for that very practical reason, I can't tell you this whole story. But I can't even tell you this whole story of the verses that we're going to cover this morning. We have a little bit of a social contract here at church that um, this is going to be at, at the worst, at the very worst, like PG to PG-13, if, we, if we're going to write it, right? And um, that's going to help our parents like feel safe bringing their kids to church. Uh, and, it, and it's also going to help our kids because I, I know that this is true, that, that the kids, they take these kinds of things to heart and they, they think about them and Sometimes they wake up in the middle of the night with bad dreams and, and you wonder, like, where do they get that from? And it, I, I often think that it's, it's because of the media that, that they're consuming in one place or another. But we're not going to add into that here at church. So that's the first reason. But also, also adult minds don't necessarily need to wallow in this either. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. This is very strange. I've actually never done this this morning. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I can't, but I will read parts of it. I'm going to read most of it, actually. What I'd like you to do, if you're able to read, then you're going to be able to follow along. And I'm going to leave a space in the story, okay, for um, just, just a little bit. And I'm just going to stop reading for as long as it takes in my mind, to get to the next part that is in the right rating. Okay, <laughs> does that make sense? So here we go. This is this is from Genesis chapter 19. And um, you're able to follow along in your bulletins, like I said. And also, if you're at home, you can pull out your Bibles. So here's what God's Word gives us today. The angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go to your, on your way in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did not go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city, both young and old, surrounded the house. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him. And he said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look. I have two daughters. Get out of our way, they replied. 
This fellow came here as a foreigner, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons or daughters or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against his people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains. You will be swept away. This is the word of the Lord. You know me by now, I think, that there are times when when I get to preach, and that's usually how I think about it, when I am like a horse at the starting gate, like I just can't wait to get to Sunday morning, like on Easter, where we get to say Christ is risen, and we see that the cross is empty and the tomb is too, and we know that our sins are forgiven. And we know that we have new life in Christ that is unending. And nothing can roll the stone back over the tomb. Nothing. Not even the story. But, but today is one of those days where I'm saddened. Like deeply saddened. This is a sad day because of because of the Sodomites, because of Lot, because of the sons-in-law, and we can take it right down the line. This is not one of those days where I'm really looking forward to telling you this story. This is a dark story, and this is Lot's night. And it really is night. I think that's interesting, like, that, that these things seem to always happen at night, like your mother used to tell you, you know, that Nothing good ever happens past midnight. And she's right. This is Lot's night. And the two angels, they, they, they arrive just as the sun is going down. And it's the deepest night maybe that humanity's ever seen. And Lot, he's doing, it seems at least, he's doing what he seems to always do, because I think deep, deep, deep down, he needed to do something about it. And the one thing he thought he could do 
is that he would catch visitors on their way into town at night and make sure that they had a place to stay because if they didn't, oh God, if they didn't. So there he was, like, there he was, like he was doing what he always did and he saw two men walk into town and he didn't yet know that they were angels. And he went over to them, he said, turn aside and come with me to stay at my house and they said no lot we'll go to the stair the, the square and then lot knew he had to do something so he insisted and embarrassingly so that's what it says strongly you have to come with me you don't understand you you have to come with me now Okay, we'll go with you. And then Lot hastily like slaps together this this very like the poorest feast that one has ever seen. It's it, it's not like Abraham in the last chapter where he he just rolls out the red carpet like Lot. He's running around in his house and and he pulls together. It looks like bread and water <laughs> because. I think he's expecting the knock at the door. And he's got to get it done like as quick as he can. He's got to get these men hustled into bed just as quick as he can so he can get them hustled back out of the city again so nothing would happen to them. He is expecting the knock, and then it comes knock, knock, knock. And all of this goes to show that I think that deep, deep down, Lot is bothered by it all. That, it, that it's actually true where, where St. Peter, in his second epistle, he says, as Lot looked around at the wickedness of the world, at his own city, his soul was, quote, tortured. That he was saddened by it. There's a lot that we can say about Lot this morning. And we will criticize him, but at least we can say this, that Lot felt it. He knew it. That, that the wickedness in his city was wrong. That he needed to save people from it, to bring them from the outside into the inside of his house, to give them hospitality. He knew it. I think that I think that we forget that sometimes as Christians that it just becomes like this cold and dead orthodoxy. Like when we say about the unholy trinity, the devil, the world, in our sinful flesh, the, these three sources of our sin that that they're not real to us anymore. But the truth of the matter is that the world opposes God. The world is in constant rebellion against God, and Lot knew it. He didn't even need to hear St. John say this about the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Lot knew it, and he felt it. And I want you to feel it, too, that not all is right. In our city, I saw a picture of, of a t shirt 
of a school of fish. And then there was this one fish swimming in the opposite way of the school of fish. And I thought, that's really what it's like for Lot. He's trying so hard to swim upstream against the current when everybody else is going this way. I want you to feel that in your heart so that the worst case scenario that Jesus himself imagined that salt would become no longer salty does not happen to you because it almost happened a lot. He, he had gone a long ways down the line of becoming utterly worldly and joining in that flock of fish, the school of fish, swimming down death and destruction. Lot was pretty far gone. And, and he's definitely no paragon of virtue here. Like, when the knock comes at the door, Lot goes out to them, and, and there's, there's an arrogance to him, like a pride to him, that, that somehow he can salvage this situation. And, and he thinks it to himself, and then he says out loud, like, wait a second, these are my worldly friends. And he calls them that. He says, my brothers. My friends, that, that's how he addresses them. He says, we can fix this. And then he makes the most ungodly, disgusting, ugly counteroffer that you can possibly imagine. Here's my daughters. It's like he's inciting them further. And then he finds out that you cannot straddle the line between, between the church and the world. You just cannot. Like It's, it's kind of like sitting on a fence. You're going to get hurt. And he finds out that they actually never accepted him. They never loved him. And he was never a part of their community. He says, you're an immigrant here. That's what they said. You don't belong here. You never belonged here. And then they said something that, that resonates down to the day. He says, you can't judge me. That's what they said. You can't judge me. That's what they say. Because he had. Lot had said, do not do this wicked thing. And my guess is, and irony of irony, the, the, supposedly he was saving the angels, but then the angels have to save him. They strike these men blind, and the angels pull him back inside. And Lot is left to contemplate the offer that he had made. I wonder, there's a part of me that wonders, like, did he, did he think about his dark night and what he had offered for many years to come? Like, why did I do that? How could I? How, 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 did, I, how did I become so worldly, so much like them? And how had he? It doesn't take a sleuth or like Sherlock Holmes to, to figure out at least one thing that had gone utterly wrong for him. And one of the things that, that had contributed to his gigantic fall is that he was alone. Not even 10, not even five. He was alone. 
He didn't have true brother brotherhood with the sodomites. I mean, they they rejected him on his face when he finally came out and said what he probably should have said a long time before. You're not one of us. And Lot's like, you're right. He didn't even have brotherhood with his own family. It's the saddest thing. The NIV, I think, softens it a little bit because they say that his daughters were engaged. But I, you know what I think really happened here? He didn't have two daughters. He had four. They're called sons-in-law, right? And there's no getting around that fact that if you got sons-in-law, then you got married daughters. And when Lot goes and pounds on their door in the middle of the night and says, God's judgment is coming down, they look at him like, Lot, are you drinking? Dad, what are you, what are you talking about? This place isn't that bad. Dad. And they laughed at him. He became like the Homer Simpson of the Bible, someone just to mock and scoff at. This is Lot. He had no one. When the angels asked this question, I think, I think it must have haunted him a little bit. Like, is there anyone else you have in this city? And he must have thought about that. Let me see if I can go get my daughters and sons-in-law. I guess he didn't. There's a part of me that, that wants you to think about that question, maybe even, even to haunt you. Do you have anybody who can support you in your faith life? A lioness has a pride, right? And a buffalo has a herd. And a sheep has, what are those things called? A flock, exactly. And a Christian has a church. A lot didn't have a church, see. And I think that's one of the things that went wrong for him, like really, really wrong. But Lot, he was not totally alone, was he? At least in his hour of need, when it came right down to it, he was not totally alone. He at least had two angels. And I love that part of the story because the angels show up to, to Lot and he's totally compromised. He's almost like Sodom has almost moved into his heart entirely. And the angels, this is how I think about it. The angels are strong with him and gentle. Strong because he's He's, he's sitting there hesitating, right, to get out. And he's saying, I got two daughters in there, like, plus I got all my supposed friends. And he's hesitating, like, maybe I won't go. But the angels are strong with him. They're like, nope, you're going. But they're also gentle. It's not, it's not like they, they got out their whips and start, like, get out of here a lot. It's not, nothing like this. They just simply gently take him by the hand and lead him out because he's acting like a little two-year-old. Strong and gentle. And I think that there's two places then that, that we can stand 
in this story and in this moment. And, and one's with Lot. And we can think about how we've become compromised and, and sometimes started to swim a little bit too much with that school of fish that I talked about before. And we can think about how we, it, it'd be so easy. It's so easy, isn't it? How many people have we seen that just it happens just a little bit at a time and all of a sudden we don't see them anymore? And how God is so strong and gentle with us. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you messengers that, that are going to be strong and help you to see what it means to be godly as opposed to being worldly, strong and yet gentle. No, come along. Come along with me. We're going to do this together. How good God is to put people around us like that. But also, I think we can stand in another part of the story with the angels. Maybe some of us need to think of ourselves like that, that we've got people that are going the wrong way right now. And how can you then be strong and gentle for them? I cannot help but think that there's a better way to be saved than, than Lot's way. Did you think about that? Like there's a, there's a passage in in 1 Corinthians that talks about a false teacher and and that the, all of the false teacher's work is burned away but he escapes the bible says you know this verse he escapes as one through the flames You can be saved like that Lot was like literally I wonder if if Corinthians is referencing that like you can be saved as one through the flames like you, you lose half your family because he lost his wife and two daughters and he kept two that were utterly compromised. You can be saved like that. And God is that good, isn't he? That it, strongly and gently and, and through Jesus' cross, he will save us and forgive us of all of that unworldliness. We can be saved like that, but isn't there a better way? I think there is. We're families. Whole families come together and worship. Where, where you can say, when the angel asks you, do you have anybody here? And be like, hold on a sec, I got some people. And even if I wake them up in the middle, they won't laugh at me because we've been together in the Word. We've done this together. We've been doing it for a long time. Isn't that the better way to be saved? I can't help but think that way. Not as one escaping through the flames, but as one grounded in Christ, crucified and risen for us. And that's my prayer for this church. That we would, in essence, form our own little school of fish. <laughs> right? Where maybe there's a school of fish a whole lot bigger than ours. But then there's this little group of fish that's swimming upstream and we're doing it together. It's my prayer.